Hey, everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry. This is the podcast where we talk about your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. I am your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my co-host and best friend, Jose Angel. And today we have somebody special for you. Jose, you mind telling us who that is today? Yes. Today we'll be talking about a mysterious celebrity death. We did an episode previously on Brittany Murphy. And I said at the time we would try to do another celebrity death at least once a month. And well, we just never did. <laughs> okay, okay. Who is it? So this episode will cover the life and mysterious death of Natalie Wood. Ah. Going over the research for this episode, I realized similarities with how Brittany Murphy's life was filled with tabloid rumors, and then her death has been filled with the same rumors, and Natalie Wood is kind of the same way. I've definitely watched a few specials about Natalie Wood's life and death. A lot of the stuff we talked about today is just alleged by family, friends, and people kind of in her inner circle. Mm-hmm. Growing up, so not what you know now, but Growing up, did you hear about Natalie Wood's death? And if you did, what did you hear? I don't really remember much, but I do remember like kind of being young and hearing like a, them talk about an actress Natalie Wood's uh, mysterious death. The only detail that sticks out to me that I remember as a child that carried on from uh, then is that I knew that it happened on a boat. Okay. Um, you said mysterious. Is that something that you know now or is that something that you knew back then as well just now uh i think because i wasn't really interested in true crime nor was i really listening or paying attention as a child i didn't kind of understand it or what they were talking about but as an adult as i got into things and tidbits like that uh you heard when it came to like celebrity mishaps scandals deaths natalie wood was one that always popped up a lot and then i finally read about it and watched some stuff when i was probably at least not even like mid-20s like this is recent i would say i really learned about her history yeah you mentioned it on part of your media one day Uh and i was planning on doing it like right after that and i just never did Man, I, I said one thing and you were you backed off forever. <laughs> when I was growing up, I remember watching West Side Story or something. And my grandma just said like an offhand comment like, oh, how sad. She drowned and the husband got away with it. Damn, and, had the tea. Yeah, my, <laughs> my grandma always had the old celebrity tea. So I did not pay any attention to it because she would flip through her channel and she would see like a celebrity. She'd be like... Oh, this one does this. That one does this. So she like mm-hmm. always knew. That's not like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. I'm like, maybe that's where I got it from. No, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to know everything about everybody. That has always been my understanding of her death, that it was mysterious and maybe the husband got, had something to do with it, which we'll save our opinions to the end. Um, or we will try. <laughs> <laughs> on what the case is. All right. Before I get started, I just want to say this case has so many different versions and allegations that you might have heard it some other way. You might have watched it some other way. But this is the most, uh, I want to say, practical, practical and believable and reliable sources Uh, I can find. Okay. So Natalie Wood was born. Natalie I believe it's Zakarinko. Zakarinko. It's sure. a Russian name, but <laughs> they felt like it was hard to say. So Natalie's last name would change to Durden, and then later it would be Wood. <laughs> They're still having problems. <laughs> what about Durden? Sure. <laughs> Come back a couple weeks later. Nah, wouldn't work. How about Wood? Ah, fucking perfect. Yeah, and I think I said her name was Natalie to begin with, but her birth name was Natalia. Oh. And she went by Natasha because that's like a nickname for Natalia. Really? That, that's a stretch low-key, but hey, not I my think nickname. it's more Russian. Oh, they said stay out of my fucking business. Yeah, you don't know no what more. you're talking about. This is Russian business. <laughs> they, I'm slowly backs away. So I'll, I'll just be referring to her as Natalie Wood, just to keep everything straight. Natalie was born July 20th, 1938, making her a cancer in California to Russian immigrant parents. I didn't see much about the father, just that his name was Nick and that he drank a lot. But there's not really that much reported about him. Okay. The mother, Maria, was determined to make Natalie a star. 
Maria went to a fortune teller who told her that her second born daughter would be a beauty known worldwide, which is an amazing thing. Who wouldn't want to hear that from a fortune teller? Yeah, should have known that fortune teller did not tell her the full thing. Well, she followed that up with a little cards never lie moment Mm. because the fortune teller warned her to keep her daughter away from dark water because Natalie would drown in dark water. Oh, damn. Yeah. So Maria instilled this fear of water into Natalie from a very young age. It only grew worse as she got older. She would allegedly even have nightmares about drowning and then it even got so bad she was afraid to submerge her head underwater to wash her hair. Yeah, that's fear. With a lot of this stuff, I don't know how much has become legend after the fact and what is true. I watched a documentary where her daughters were on there and they say they don't think Natalie had that bit of a fear of water. They said, yes, she did fear dark water and seawater and that, but who doesn't? But people are making, like, hyping it up more, more of a legend. Mm, Emphasizing certain details. Yeah, and Especially how the story ends. Yeah, I would see. I I could see that. That is something I have always heard about her throughout the years is that she was afraid of water. I just think it's one of those weird things. Like, I believe Richie Valens, who was supposedly afraid of flying and he died in a plane crash. And it's always so bizarre with someone who dies young and they kind of know when it's coming. Oh, yeah. That that would. That would have freaked me out. Yeah, it, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, because it's like, if you think about this stuff too hard, it would be hard for you to actually live in present life. Yeah, Natalie did have an older and younger sister, but it's claimed that Maria's focus went all to Natalie because she was going to be the star. So put your focus on that child. Well, damn. <laughs> you had the mother too, though. <laughs> they were going to be the star, though. That, something about Maria is she was very superstitious <laughs> and very dramatic. They would say that, you know, she would be like, don't walk on that side of the street because how the light is shining. Or she would <laughs> tell them not to step on no cracks because you break your mom back. I'm, I'm sure she said something like that, too. But <laughs> they said that she would act like she was shaking and <laughs> they ran to Natalie when Natalie was older. And they're like, hey, your mom's like having a seizure. And Natalie was just like, she's fine. She just says it for attention. So, (laughs) So not mama randomly seizing for attention. Yeah, they said she would just like roll her eyes back and shake. I'm sorry, ma'am. We are out of that size. (laughs) Yeah, so they said she was very dramatic, very superstitious. Okay, interesting. (laughs) When Natalie was four, she got her first film role in Happy Land. Maria instructed Natalie to walk over to director Irving Pitchell and sit on his lap and, quote, make Mr. Pitchell love you, which worked. Okay, Maria. (laughs) Why don't you sit your ass down somewhere, Maria? In 1946, when Natalie was seven, she was offered a role in the movie called Tomorrow is Forever. The only problem was she could not cry on cue. So Maria, her mother would tell her about her dog dying and tore a butterfly's wings off its body in front of her to make her cry. (laughs) I guess just the the inhumanity would make me cry too. Yeah. At this time she's seven. Butterflies. And so that got her to try. So she was like, you know, she's ready. And she got killing it. I also saw in some places say that Natalie really couldn't play like a normal child because her mother was worried about her getting hurt or, you know, scratching her face or something. Mm. So she was like this little porcelain doll. You got to work all these goddamn film hours because I know what no fucking child regulation because she was underage, right? At this time. Yeah, she's seven at this one. Oh, seven. Oh, uh-huh. my God. She said sit on that boy's lap, that man's lap. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was... I wasn't playing when I said she needs to sit her ass down, but I didn't know that she was that old. I must have zoned out during that time. Oh, that's disgusting. But yeah, um, uh, I'm sorry. I lost my point just remembering she's seven. <laughs> oh, Maria, you nasty. And around this time, she was also 
becoming the family's primary breadwinner, bringing in money into the house. Oh, yeah. She can't do nothing because she got to worry about paying everybody's fucking rent and bills now. There is a story about how Maria thought there was this like bad audition. And after the audition ended, she said, well, now your sister's going to get new shoes. Mm. But Natalie got the role. In 1948, when Natalie was 10, her ninth movie that she would be in, there was a scene where she had to run over a bridge and the bridge would collapse into the water once she got over to the other side. Psych, bitch, you better edit me in. (laughs) It didn't exactly go as planned and it collapsed with her still on it and she landed in the water. Oh my gosh. And I believe this was the final cut that made it into the movie. You can find the clip on YouTube. And the girl can act because it looks like she's trying to climb up a bridge scared of the water. And that is yeah, because she probably wasn't she, acting. Exactly. She's not acting. The director said to keep filming. Man, and that's when the world wakes up with one less film crew. Because <laughs> why did why? Why are you torturing this poor girl like this? Yeah. Not and... only you keep it rolling, but you keep that cut in. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, you know, anybody ran to her to help her. And she actually broke her wrist during this scene. And it never healed properly. And that might be because Maria allegedly concealed the injury and never got Natalie treated for it. So it wouldn't affect filming. And if you see Natalie's photos from when she's older, she does always wear a chunky bracelet on her left arm. And that's to conceal the small deformity of the bone not healing properly. Oh, that's just sad. Yeah. It's very sad. You got to feel like you got to hide this because your mama didn't even get it checked out as a child. Yeah, she had to work through it. Yeah, now, I, and it must be slightly noticeable if you feel like you have to hide it, too. It, there, is some, fair. there is some pictures where you can see it, and it just looks like a bump, like her wrist bone is bigger, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, let's fast forward a few years until Natalie is 15, 16-ish. Between January 1954 and to the summer of 1955. A lot of stuff happens in Natalie's life around this time, and a lot of it overlaps, and there are rumors and different versions. So I'm trying to go with the versions I see with the most, I see the most, and the more recent ones, because a lot of people have written books and released documentaries about her life. So it's kind of like we get a new piece of the puzzle of her life with, with every year. Mm-hmm. Natalie was dating a boy named Jimmy. Jimmy was just a regular type of guy, not famous. And Maria was not happy with that. She didn't want Natalie to settle down with him or get pregnant. So she told Natalie that since Natalie was so small, if she gave birth to her baby, she would die. Maria also told Natalie because she was a petite girl, a penis would puncture her internal organs. Okay. It's like, bruh, you gotta educate the children, not scare the children. Yeah, not the birds and bees talk you want from your mother. When Jimmy proposed in February of 1954, Maria was not having it and took Natalie over to Jimmy's house to return the ring. She then went to Natalie's best friend, trying to get her to break them up, and even went to a friend of Jimmy's saying Natalie needed to date other guys. And he should ask Natalie out. So I can interrupt your engagement later. I, I guess so, yeah. Because ain't nothing changed. I'm not broke or famous. I mean, I'm not rich or famous. Dang. Natalie would soon tell Jimmy that they needed to date other people. and Because my mom was a crazy-ass motherfucker. Jimmy went home and shot himself. <gasps> oh, shit. <laughs> so unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, why didn't you warn me? But why would you? <laughs> he did end up surviving, thank the dogs, but it was yeah. the end of Jimmy and Natalie. Oh my God. That's an I that's an extreme reaction. It's very extreme. Oh. I mean, it's still fuck Maria all day, every day. Yeah, she's but like the first stage mom, the worst and first. Yeah, this is the earliest story of a stage mama I've heard as of right now. <laughs> Natalie would soon audition for the role Rebel Without a Cause. Natalie was 16, and this was going to be her first more grown-up role, like a teenage role instead of a child role. Mm-hmm. 
the 42-year-old director, Nicholas Ray, and Natalie started what is referred to as a sexual liaison. Oh, hell no. Again, he was 42. She was 16. I would call it what it is, which is rape. It's nasty. Yes. That's just crazy. Okay. Are you going to say what Maria thought about this? Uh, It doesn't really say. Oh, she didn't interfere in this one. No, there was dating. She dated someone else. I believe that was in the movie, but she reported that guy, but not Nicholas because, you know, he's too high up. That would ruin her career. Fuck this man, but she couldn't be with nice old Jimmy. Nope. This got me mad for Jimmy. Yeah. And I don't know how it started or if it was for Natalie to get the role, but it's nasty and disgusting. It it was abuse either way, because, you know, she she ain't got no she ain't got no change in that quarter. She can't she can't come on to him. Yeah. She's a fucking child. But the role still wasn't hers. I don't know if I'm upset about that or not. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm all over the place. Well, yeah, she don't need to be around that man anyway. So, yeah, fuck that role. Well, not until she got to a car crash and the doctor called her goddamn juvenile delinquent. And Nicholas Ray was either visiting her at the hospital or talking to her on the phone, depending on the story. And she said, did you hear what he called me, Nick? He called me a juvenile delinquent. Do I get the part? And she did end up getting the part, which at just 16 was her 23rd film. Dang. And she was was also getting small TV roles at this time, too. Maria was working every woman like a horse. Yeah. She was nominated for an Oscar and won a Golden Globe for this part. Mm-mm-mm. Also around this time, Maria arranged for Natalie to meet with a big-time movie star in a hotel who could help Natalie's career. You know what? I'm about fucking tired of Maria. Yeah. She's, like, prostituting out her daughter, her underage daughter. That's pretty much what she's doing now. I mean, that's what she's doing. She's not allowed to date men her age, but you, you're... I, you're mysteriously not around when she starts this sexual relationship this 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 rape relationship at 16 with a 40 something year old and then you're at, at when she was six or seven you're telling her to sit on grown men's lap to get the part and then you're arranging meetings in hotels with i'm guessing somebody who also is not her age either or saying somebody who can quote unquote help her career which Saying that phrase, including a hotel. Yeah. Like walking into a lion's den. You don't even know what you could be setting your daughter up for. So Maria and Natalie's younger sister, Lana, waited in a car as Natalie went inside the hotel. Oh, and by herself. Okay. Lana was around eight at this time, sitting in the back seat. So much time passed that she started to fall asleep. Um. But she was awakened to Natalie getting in the car and slamming the door, looking very disheveled, and she was very upset. Natalie and Maria started whispering, and Lana did not hear and did not really understand what was happening, but Natalie was raped. Maria and Natalie agreed that accusing this movie star, who was twice her age and married, would ruin Natalie's career. Maria's advice to Natalie was to suck it up. Natalie didn't tell Lana until they were adults what had happened to her and made her promise not to tell anyone. Over the years, this story has gotten out, and there have been many people speculated on who it could have been. A lot of people speculated that it was the director from previously, Nicholas Ray. But Lana in 2021 finally has come forward to say it was Kirk Douglas who died in 2020 at 103 years old. Mm, Kurt. Hold on, hold on. I know that name. I know the family, but I'm trying to get the face so i can properly say fuck this person oh yeah <laughs> this old fart mm-hmm. this old nasty ass yeah because uh yeah, i'm very familiar with uh michael michael douglas is that what his name is yeah i feel like he's the most famous of the bunch yeah no i'm very familiar with michael douglas uh he's even okay Kurt Douglas, I knew was his father. I just, I can't remember if I've ever even seen anything he's been in, but I knew he was famous. That's disgusting. And he was one of the men rumored to have raped her, so much so that when he did die, 
Natalie's name trended with his. Mm-hmm, because, you know, they would give out all the accolades. Long-time legendary legacy actor Kirk Douglas, once leading man, died. Nah, bruh, say what it is. Alleged child abuser Kirk Douglas is finally laid to rest. Yeah. Just like whenever that Nick man died. Fuck him, too. And I believe Michael Douglas had to release a statement, like, through his people. And he just said, may both parties rest in peace. Okay. I heard some nasty shit about my father, too. Uh Uh-huh. That's how I read it, too. George Uh Jacobs, Frank Sinatra's personal valet for years, wrote a book in 2003 titled Mr. S, My Life with Frank Sinatra. He claims Natalie had an affair with Frank Sinatra when she was around 15 or 16 years old. And her mother, Maria, is the one who pushed her towards Frank Sinatra. Again, this is alleged by George Jacobs in his book. So is it true or is it something he put in there to sell the book? I don't know. I don't know. Frank you, was... You know, you heard about Frank Sinatra being with tons of women, cheating on all his wives with other women. But we don't know if they were underage women. Yeah. Frank was also one of the men whose name was thrown around when people were trying to put pieces together on who raped her. So maybe there is truth there, but it could also be maybe George Jacobs heard the rumors and added it to his book. Mm -hmm. I really don't know anything about him and I didn't read his book, so I really can't say. You're just putting it out there for speculation, for the people to, to form their own opinions. Yes. Natalie is still working, dating in roles, and she starts doing. She starts dating her future husband, Robert R.J. Wagner. Natalie said she actually met R.J. when she was 10 and he was 18, and she told her mom she was going to marry him one day. Yeah, I heard that in the story and was deeply unsettled. <laughs> Their first date was really a setup by the studios, like a publicity stunt. But then they really started dating, and their first date was on Natalie's 18th birthday. Mm. And within a year, they were married. He put a ring in her glass that had Marry Me engraved in it. After she four almost y- choked on it, because <laughs> what the fuck would you do that? I always think about that. After four years, their marriage had hit the rocks. They were both working a lot, and publicly, they seemed happy, but it just wasn't working. There were rumors that Natalie had an affair with Warren Beatty, but Natalie has denied that. And there was even rumors that Natalie found RJ in bed with his longtime butler. Not the butler. Again, <laughs> these are rumors, and they both have denied the rumors. <laughs> the butler did not. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Just give me one moment. I'll have this cleaned right up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somewhere there that, that he's been a longtime butler for RJ, like even before RJ was like a big movie star and they were living in a two-bedroom apartment together. He was the butler in the two-bedroom apartment? Uh-huh. So there was speculation <laughs> that maybe he just wasn't a butler. Just the two of them. <laughs> so that I there's nothing really to prove it. It's just speculation. But there was, I guess, speculation even back then, like, you know, he might be gay or he might be bisexual. Objection, speculation. (laughs) Exactly. Natalie would remarry and so would RJ and they would each have a kid. Natalie's second husband, she did on her with her secretary. What the hell is going on between the sheets? (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? Y'all, oh man, y'all would have had to put me in jail for a crime of passion. Because what? Yeah, that's what is horrible about it. I was, that documentary on HBO about Natalie Wood, it's from her family, so it's very pro-RJ. But Wait, it's, uh, Huh? The one from her family is pro-RJ? From her daughters. From her daughters. So RJ's stepdaughter and biological daughter. And oh, so, you know well, who else is in it? Who? Mia Farrow. Well, as... I, as I've said before, I have mixed feelings on Miss Farrow. I mean, she didn't really say it. She, she was just talking about Natalie. That's but, a connection, though. Yeah, they were friends. Interesting. Yeah, it was... It gave, like, a lot of background to Natalie, which I thought humanized her a lot, which was great. It just seemed like Natalie... 
you know, she got married when she was 18. She was always trying to find love. And it just kind of seemed like she wanted to be loved and in a relationship. With somebody who actually cared about her and wasn't trying to fucking use her for a fucking part or abuse her. Yeah. Take her youth or her innocence. In 1972, RJ and Natalie reconcile and they do end up getting remarried and having another daughter. Before we move on, I do want to say in 1961, after the success of her movie, Splendor in the Grass, Natalie got to negotiate with the studio that she could pick one movie. Since at that time, it was always like the studios that got to pick the movies that she would be in at the time. Which is crazy as hell when you're the star. (laughs) Yeah. You know, nowadays they have more power and what movies roles they want to pick because they used to the fucking wording used to be so-and-so signs seven film deal with like paramount or universal and i always thought that was weird until i realized oh they get to pick whatever movie they put this person in Uh uh-huh i mean that that still happens nowadays but not as much yeah more of the big stars have free reign on their career And she chose West Side Story, which is probably one of her most notable films, where she played a Puerto Rican. Of course, that wouldn't fly in today's day. Yeah, we love those Russian Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Like Al Pacino played every fucking ethnicity in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what did you start thinking about? It's like, what? How did this guy get so many of these roles? Italian. Might as well play Black Arab. He was just playing (laughs) every fucking... Race, race, ethnicity from every country. Just like, bro, I fuck it. First of all, Carlito's Way is a, it's a decent movie, but I always die when he says something like, my Puerto Rican ass should be dead or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> none of you did now, Pacino. <laughs> yeah. Times have changed, though. Have they? <laughs> Just slightly. From here, Natalie did fight for equal pay when she realized her male co-stars were dating a lot more than her. And I saw on one of the documentaries like a comment that she would even make sure the phone cords were the same length, which I don't know if that's true, but it's like a funny story of how she was a total badass and a great actress, just kind of like a big star, like, you know, I'm going to get what's mine. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of that Nicki Minaj quote, like, you know, if I would have settled for pickle juice, I'd be drinking pickle juice right now. Drinking that pickle juice right now. <laughs> Natalie had that stardom and she still had to fight for what she deserved. I think people kind of lose focus on, on how great of an actress she was. And it's just like Brittany Murphy. These women really dedicated their whole life to mm-hmm. this art, to their career, to this craft, whatever you want to call it. Just and to get shortchanged at the end. Yeah, and they provided us with so much entertainment, and it does get overshadowed by their deaths of these tabloids. Yeah, because everybody's just about the details or the scandal or what happened, which is understandable, but it's still, like you said, it's very sad. You, she, Especially, I mean, I, I do remember the Brittany Murphy one, and that was upsetting. But just hearing this one is very upsetting because she was working from a literal child, and it wasn't, and it didn't, seem like because with Brittany Murphy some of that was her choice her wanting to act this Natalie was kind of forced into acting with eventually caring and loving it but that it did this this was never her choice yeah when she got remarried to RJ and had another child she did like slow down a little bit which was her choice which she got to finally live her life a little Mm-hmm. And then she started, you know, getting back into the roles. And I hope when we do these types of episodes, people can see it's not about, you know, getting those clicks, more like finding the truth. I know you and I aren't going to solve it, but we're going to have some theories. We always have thoughts, theories, opinions, and queries. Yes. <laughs> so on the morning of November 29th, 1981, Natalie Wood was found face down 200 yards away from Catalina Island. And she had drowned and she was in water. This was around 7.30 or 8 a.m., depending on the source. And there was a small rubber dinghy nearby. And dinghy just means like boat. We're not really boat people, so I'm just clearing that up. Yeah, um, when I kept watching the documentaries and all that, and they were saying dinghy, I had to Google it because I thought... For some reason, I thought they were saying dinghy is like another word for buoy, but no, it is. That's 
I you, thought like it was you Billy said, too. I know, dingy, we're dingy. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it's like one of them small paddle boats. Yeah, it was kind of like a raft because it was inflatable. Oh. It was like a rubber one, but it had a motor and stuff. Okay, okay, okay. I should have looked up the exact picture of the one they were talking about, but okay. Natalie was in a flannel nightgown. She had on blue socks and a red jacket. Already it's painting a weird picture, but let's not get of our ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. the details leading up to her death are disputed and as the years have come along some of them have changed so the weekend after thanksgiving natalie and robert wagner go on their boat the splendor and they had this boat for years and over a thanksgiving party they were inviting people to come join them on it and the one person who did agree to join them was christopher walken mm-hmm who was Natalie's co-star in a movie. I'm going to be referring to these people by their first names or their full names, just because it's too many W names. It's confusing. Dennis Davern, the boat's captain or skipper, was also on the boat, The Splendor. On November 27th, around noon Friday, the group takes off on the boat. There are rumors that RJ was being jealous of Christopher, but there was also rumors of Natalie being jealous of one of RJ's co-stars. Who wasn't there, but it was just like in the air. Now, these are just rumors, so take them with a grain of salt. Natalie and RJ were Hollywood A-list couple. There were always rumors about them. And they were just having a gay old time doing what you do on a boat. They're drinking. They've been drinking. This drinking maybe leads to an argument because according to Dennis Davern, the couple starts to argue. Dennis asks Christopher Walken to get involved because I guess it's getting kind of heated. And Christopher Walken allegedly says, never get involved in an argument between a man and a wife, which is understandable. And it also paints a picture of how I feel about Christopher Walken later in the story. Okay. So do you think he should have got involved? No, I'm okay. just saying, well, okay. I'm, I don't know, but what I'm saying is that his, his alleged statement, if that's what he made, that frames how I feel Christopher Walken viewed this whole Natalie Wood situation. I, I just feel if you get involved in the argument, you can be part of the argument too. Oh, I, I mean, I agree. Getting involved in an argument is very dicey. And I'm telling nine times out of 10, unless I think things are getting like violent, yeah, I, I will tune things out and leave it alone. So, yes, I do agree with him on that front. Yeah, I'm if if they look like they're about to come to blows or it's been way out of control, which it might have been. Maybe that's why Dennis was telling him, hey, maybe you should involved. And in that case, I think it would have been remiss of Christopher not to get involved and for Dennis not to get involved, in fact, with. Uh, but you're you're in charge of this boat. Turn us the fuck around. He's the skipper. So. What's the skipper? captain yeah so it's like (laughs) it's like a a couple a couple people could have made a couple different decisions you know hindsight yeah and this argument ends and natalie and dennis they leave the boat on the rubber duty it has a motor that natalie allegedly did not know how to use dennis davern and natalie get a hotel that night they stayed in the same room and drank some wine dennis claims nothing happened in that hotel room I know that's where most people's minds are going to go, but he said they just drank and fell asleep. Also, when the police first questioned him, they asked Dennis about the first Friday night, and Dennis told them they all four stayed on the Splendor that night. But police knew he was lying, so he changed his story and told the truth that they did stay in that that hotel. It also, I saw that, I don't know if they outright asked the other two men, but it said they implied that they all stayed on the boat. So already it's like, why are we lying about something so small? So the next day, Natalie returns on the boat with Dennis Davern, and then Natalie and Christopher come to shore to a restaurant. And they are doing what people do in a restaurant. They're drinking. RJ and Dennis Davern soon come down and join them. And according to the waitress that was there, she claims they drink two bottles of wine, and two bottles of champagne, and one of the men was also drinking daiquiris. At one point, Natalie throws her glass down on the floor or towards the wall, and Christopher over. <laughs> Christopher Watkins claims he did it first after a toast, and she just copied him. 
And Natalie allegedly told the wait staff, oh, she's Russian. That's just how they toast. Sure. So I don't know if this was like an angry throw, you know, throw of the glass or maybe just a drunk haha thing. Yeah, because actually you just don't know. Either way, it wasn't something she would normally do because that's not what you do in restaurants. Yeah. The restaurant claims that only Natalie broke her glass, not Christopher. And it was right after, like, a rise from the table. So I feel like you can tell when, like, an argument just happened. Like, you know, there's that eruption of noise real fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. When they leave the restaurant, they go back to the Splendor. And it is claimed by the waitress that Natalie was stumbling. I've left restaurants so stumbling a little. So I know how that is. <laughs> I've seen you, Mr. Wobbleways. <laughs> So they board the boat at around 10 p.m. According to someone at Harbor Patrol office, they claimed to hear Natalie scream something. But they said it just sounded like she was drunk, so they didn't pay any attention to it. And this is where things get even more murky because the stories just don't add up. I do want to say Dennis Davern claims at this point they were arguing and the wait staff did say RJ did not seem too happy to be there on the boat. RJ and Christopher argue. RJ claims it was just a political debate that got heated, but was it really an argument? And RJ and Natalie also argue over Natalie being away from home too much. Christopher claims he got involved a little at the beginning of the argument, but did not want to get too involved, so he went to bed. And it doesn't make sense because in one story, it's Christopher goes to bed, and another story, it's RJ and Christopher stayed up and Natalie went to bed. So they get separated somehow. Exactly. And they're below deck and Dennis Davern, I believe, is above deck. Dennis Davern says RJ and Christopher did have an argument and he heard RJ say, what are you trying to do? Fuck my wife. Yep. I remember hearing that recount. Yeah, it's and that's a more recent one, I think. When I kept looking for this quote, I'm like, I know this one. It pops up everywhere. But I think that one's more recent. Yeah, because Dennis, well, I don't, I don't know if you're going to speak about it, but um, Dennis said his story when it all happened. Uh, and as far as I was concerned, when I looked into the matter, the police were not policing as they should be or as they should have when this whole ordeal happened. And uh, Dennis didn't spill everything he knew and went through years of hardships. Uh, I think he even uh, was addicted to drugs and stuff. So after he finally, you know, got clean uh, this most recent time and got his stuff together, he told the people, the powers that be, that he was ready to tell his full story of everything he remembered and knew of that night. And that's when I, besides her sister, that's when uh, I knew some of the more newer details came out. Yeah. And the reason people do not believe Dennis is because he goes to tabloids, I believe. And maybe he's selling his story. He might be. But I think that also is because who might. Well, his story has been included in some documentaries, but it's also uh, like he may not be linked in. He probably doesn't have, because uh, he's not trying to be an actor, so he doesn't have management or anybody who's reaching out to get official interviews from, I don't know, CBS, or they're uh-huh. not reaching out to him, so he's trying to tell his story the only way he can. Some people can view that as scandalous, because it is like, it does kind of look away, depending on who you let tell that story, but if he's not, he could be saying a lot more scandalous, untrue he could be speculative things if he really wanted to. He could say that he slept with Natalie Wood. He can say he saw RJ, you know, smack. He could say a lot more things if he really wanted to. I think this is a case of a man reaching a different time in his life and wanting to be as honest as he can be the best way he knows how. I, I wouldn't look at it n- nefariously. Yeah. And listeners, you just have to really decide who you believe honestly because with the police and everybody like dropping the ball and they're not really being a conclusion it honestly is just public opinion at this point dennis also claims he heard glass breaking police did find a broken bottle on the ship at first rj says 
it must have been the rough waters that broke the bottle. But later in a book, RJ did say he did break the bottle, but they soon made up. Yeah. So, like you said, we can believe Dennis or we can't, but his it just adds a little bit more to the story without adding too much, I guess. This gives you context. Around midnight, so Saturday turning into Sunday, a couple in a nearby boat hear a woman scream out, help me, please help me. And it's dark out there. They're in the water, so they can't really see who it is or where it's even coming from. It could be coming from the Splendor, but there was also another boat nearby that was having a party. And the couple try calling the Harbor Master or Harbor Patrol. I've seen it both, and I don't know which is the correct term. But the Harbor people don't answer. The couple try calling out to the woman, but they get no response. Mm-hmm. I was so, for some dumbass reason... I man, that's how I I don't know if I started crying at this point or towards like the end end because I was like it was like I forgot for a second that Natalie Wood dies at the end of the story. Uh So when it got to one of those parts, because I've watched a couple, so I can't remember on which I think it was the HBO one. When it came to that part where the couple was like, yeah, and then we heard a, a woman yelling out, help, help. I was like, oh, shit, they found her. I was so happy. And then they were they were going into the detail where basically it was very dark. They didn't get any response after calling out. I was just like, fuck See, my dumb ass for thinking and not remembering and believing and being hopeful. It wasn't the HBO one because I was they were they did not include that in there. And I'm like, I did. We could be pro RJ. Oh, not not that. Sorry. There's a HBO documentary and then there's a HBO true crime show where Natalie Wood has an episode. So my bad. You're right. Okay. Yeah, that's I think it does a wonderful picture. The documentary I saw, I want to say the name for people listening. I know. Documentary, 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 (laughs) documentary. Okay. Natalie Wood remains behind and it came out in 2020 and it has two of her daughters as, you know, Robert Radner, RJ. It mm-hmm. has all these, it's it's kind of sad because it's all these old people who knew her. And then you realize where they're all old because Natalie didn't get to grow old. Exactly. And, but yeah. Their age. It's, I, I can see where once we get to the theories that you can see that RJ didn't have anything to do with it. But to leave out that evidence, I just think you're not painting the whole picture. When you have a chance to. Yeah, so. Just like that whole, oh, the waves broke the bottle. And then you in a book saying, I actually broke the bottle. But we made up right after. Yeah. Okay. And this and this bowl full of frosted flakes isn't shit that you're selling me. <laughs> yeah. So the couple heard her screaming. They tried to call, but they didn't get a response. They also heard a man's voice, or possibly two men, mockingly call out, we'll help you, or just a minute, honey, or something like that. Like, they heard a man calling out to her. Mm. So that made them believe that maybe it was coming from the party, because if this woman's screaming, like, why would these men mockingly be saying this? Later that night, RJ comes up to the bridge of the boat and has a few drinks with Dennis Davern. Dennis claims RJ was really sweaty, but didn't think anything of it. At around 1.30 a.m., RJ goes below deck again and then comes back up saying he can't find Natalie and realizes the rubber dinghy is gone. At first, Dennis Davern suggests to turn on the searchlights to look for Natalie, but RJ says he does not want to draw attention to them. Which is crazy. It's yes. Cr- this is where a lot, I mean, I was all, my, my, I had antennas the whole time, but this was where the part where I was like, nah, bruh, makes no sense. You were obviously hiding something. Not only would turning on those lights literally shed light onto the sea, the ocean, whatever body of water they're on, it would also show you if there was anything, I don't know, like, blood uh cleaned up related on the boat too and you don't want to draw attention bitch ships have lights on all the time and he obviously didn't think that natalie took the rubber dinghy and went to the hotel because he does end up calling for help he does not go to the hotel looking for her 
Is that, and he knows the one time that she did do that, she was accompanied by another person who knew how to work the the boat. Because again, Natalie does not know how to use the rubber dinghy. And barely knows how to swim, apparently, too. And they did not hear the motor of it start. You would hear the motor start up. It, it would be very obvious if somebody took it. Especially in the dead of night. I don't care if you were drinking, sleep, or whatever. I feel like that's enough noise for you to be alerted. And for you to be, to to leave your wife, to come up and drink with the, the captain, and uh, to look disheveled, and even if you don't even put the dishevelment in there, to just come up there after you have knowingly been arguing with your wife, and then you, okay, you spend some time with this man, you go back downstairs and come back, oh, where's Natalie? That don't even make sense to me. Yeah. Because she should have been where you left her. Obviously, there were no signs of her actually leaving of her own volition. And... You can see the splendor. I mean, it's a decent-sized yacht, but it's not, like, huge. Exactly. When Natalie's body is found, her blood alcohol level was 0.14%, which is pretty high. Mm -hmm. She had bruises on her knees, ankles, and wrists, and a superficial abrasion on her cheek. Which, none of this... None of this pointed to a deeper investigation at first. Her death at first was ruled an accidental drowning. Side note, Frank Sinatra had the coroner of the case fired for stating that Natalie Wood was intoxicated. Shit, that's not the real battle. It's about them seeing all these bruises and contusions and thinking that could have came from a drowning and not from a, a previous fight. Yeah, I mean, that's what some people believe. So let's get some into some of the theories so we can explain some of this. Okay. The first theory is Natalie was awakened by the rubber dinghy bumping into the boat. She got out of bed to pull the dinghy rope closer to stop it and slipped and fell on the steps, falling into the water. And they said on the way down, she must have hit herself on the steps or the boat itself and got the bruises tried to climb up on the rubber dinghy drowned again i'm not buying it if she was you would hear her screaming yeah i i would think at least that she would make some sort of startled noise to alert that that was that that was not a good plan something was going awry even if she didn't want to call out for help let's say she was still mad and was so mad that she wouldn't want to get attention and help from them Mm -hmm. she would still be making like noises yeah so that one it just doesn't make sense to me that she can slip fall drown so quietly okay so theory number two and theory number one is what rj and the family believe Mm, okay i can't wait to hear this one no that was theory number one that's what they believe that she fell Oh, that's a stupid-ass theory, RJ, and the family. Y'all got to be a little bit more smarter than that. That sounds like I'm insulting them. I kind of am. But, I mean... I don't blame the daughters. I mean, they were raised by him. That's what he tells them. You don't want to believe that your father murdered your mother or had anything to do with it. Yeah, and there's a few different cases that whether it's been proven that the, the, the spouses or the mother or the father did something to the other the children still stick beside the family because that's what they know. But RJ, logically, that don't even make sense. because It doesn't. Like, it makes sense that she fell, but not that she did not make any noise. Mm-hmm. Or at the least that she wouldn't ask her husband or her captain. The skipper, it's his freaking job. <laughs> yeah, even while drunk, hey, just move that fucking dinghy. You just shut that shit up. Yeah, they That's said- what a real rich white woman do. <laughs> and she's been a celebrity all her life. She has these people working for her. I'm sure she did. Yeah, what is, I'm him. tired of these motherfucking dinghies on this motherfucking boat. She ain't about to do that herself. Get in the dark water, for Christ's sakes. Dennis Davern has said that uh, it's never been, like, he's never knew that that was an issue, like the dinghy bumping into the boat and Natalie not liking it. But that 
RJ and her family are like, oh, she always hated that. And when I say family, I mean her two daughters. Yeah, because the two daughters definitely know about their mother's hatred for dinghies dinging on boats. Which they were just too young, right? I know. That's why I think it was inevitable that they would have sided with their father. And like you said, understandable. But I mean, they're older now. Uh, the, 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 the info is out there and I would be side eyeing dad. Theory number two is Natalie Wood left her on her own to go back to shore. This one is unlikely because she most likely would have had Dennis take her to shore. Also, Lana says her sister would never do that having a fear of dark water. And there's other rooms. I mean, if she really wanted to be petty, she could have shacked up in the room Christopher Walken was in. That is true. She just decided to leave the boat in the dead of night. Like I said, the boat is not that huge. I've seen a picture. (laughs) Yes. So it's like, even if I feel like she did, if she was disgruntled, you would hear uh, her whereabouts. Mm-hmm. It would kind of be obvious. And she could definitely seek refuge other places than just deciding to just take off. Or she would have decided to do that in the morning. I don't think she would have done it at night where you can't even see in front of your face. Theory number three, Natalie and RJ got into a fight and he murdered her. Ding, ding, ding. Which I don't know if I would say he murdered her, but maybe he had something to do with her death. I think he murdered her. Uh, you could put an accident. I mean, we put an alleged, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. But it could be accidental. It can be on purpose. But the facts, information, the ambiguity, it all points to me, me thinking that RJ accidentally killed his wife and then covered it up and was left off the hook. I mean, pretty much till now, because even when stuff comes out, he's not getting investigated. He's not getting retried or tried, not retried. He's not getting tried. So it's like, it's all speculation, but uh, nothing else makes sense to me. There's no other way this woman got these bruises that ended up face down away from the boat without physical human interference that's all that it comes down to and so if it wasn't it wasn't rj it was christopher walken and if it wasn't christopher walken it was dennis but one of them men killed her and i definitely 99 percent of me believes it was rj yeah Um, personally once the case is reopened now and rj was labeled a person of interest i don't know if he still is labeled that but he has mm-hmm. not complied with detectives on the case. Yep, and he hates when you ask a question about that shit, which is understandable, but ain't stopping no show. We still ask it. Yeah. These next theories are kind of more out of left field, but I'm just going to include them so you can make up your own mind. Theory number four, RJ and Krista were having a, an affair. Natalie found out and freaked out and either tried to leave or something bad happened to her, like, that caused it, which again, left field. I think the RJ and Christopher affair is just on there because RJ has a rumored past of being gay or bi. Mm-hmm. And people find it weird that Christopher went with them without his wife. Oh, Christopher was married at this time. Uh-huh. Hmm, that is slightly interesting. Yeah. Number five theory, Natalie and the two men were having a threesome that turned. And I don't know about that one again, possibly, but we we just don't know. It's it it, it it's too much into tabloid speculation, I believe. Yeah, that's a wild ass story. <laughs> <laughs> and number six, Dennis Davern had something to do with the murder. Uh when they left the first night, they went to the hotel room. And Christopher and RJ stayed on the boat. So I guess that's where people are thinking, like, maybe this was an affair. Someone had an affair somewhere along the lines. But I don't know. I, I, The thing that really gets me is why lie about that first night? Yeah. There's just a lot of lying that doesn't need to be lying. If you broke the bottle, say you broke the bottle. If she slept in the hotel, just say she slept in the hotel. I've seen that she slept in the hotel because she got into an argument with him. 
and I saw she slept in the hotel because she got into an argument about the waters being so rough. The difference is, is that I feel like Dennis's lie can be is could definitely be more blamed on anxiety and fear of being questioned than RJ's lie of outright being nonsensical, you lying to lie and then later telling the truth as a monetary benefit in a book. Like Dennis was questioned right at, I don't know, maybe he was nervous, maybe he was anxious, maybe RJ had a talk with him beforehand when the police came on board. We don't know what happened between RJ and Dennis, between them. And then all of a sudden you lie. Okay, you you okay, you decide not to lie. Okay, I'm gonna tell the truth about this one thing I lied. Wonderful. This man was accused of lying about something that definitely lean, lends to evidence of there being a struggle and argument, but then later comes clean in the book and says that did happen, that was a violent reaction by me, but it was oh it was squared away before she died. I kind this is just my theory, and it's just my theory. It's what I believe happened based on all the facts of the case of what we know. I think Natalie and RJ got into a fight Mm -hmm. and they had to be above deck. They got into a fight. RJ pushed Natalie and she went overboard. And she's screaming, help me, someone help me. And RJ is like, Oh yeah, I'll help you. And then she does accidentally drown. That's my theory. And didn't she have like a contusion on her face? Yeah, so I think she... He could have hit her with something. He he could have hit her and she could have... I don't know. She could have stumbled. She was drawn. I don't know. Either I, way, I believe you. I, I do. I, 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 like I said, 99.9% sure RJ had something to do with his wife's death due to people's, I don't know, biases, incompetence. He was never truly investigated, nor were nor was her autopsy taken seriously. And I think that led to what some people call the miscarriage of giving Natalie Wood and her family justice. Yeah. Uh, Lana has pretty much her sister, younger sister, has pretty much always said she thinks RJ has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. She and- even confronted this man, tried to get him on recording. In that documentary, they say, the daughter says that Lana probably doesn't even believe that. She's just angry and wants someone to be angry at. And Lana has claimed that the two young girls, that RJ has kept the two girls away from her. I was about to say, I know they don't have no relationship. So, of course, her saying that is not surprising. Which, one of the daughters made a comment like, oh, well... Yeah, when she came visit us, she was more visiting my mom, not us. And it's like, well, she's an adult. You guys are children. She probably wasn't. And you are a child. I, yeah. Sometimes your perception of things are not as they see because you're a child and you don't have all the facts and details. Maybe they didn't pick up on the tension between their father and their aunt. Maybe like Lana is saying, they didn't really interact much or have a relationship. So to the to the kids, it seems stilted every time their aunt comes around because they don't really know her like that, as well as not being around her. And Lana is still grieving for the death of her sister and her case not ever being solved. Yeah, but that is where we end with it. I, I guess tell us what you guys think, because honestly... I don't think we're ever really going to get a answer unless someone confesses, unless someone has a deathbed confession. I don't see anything really moving forward. And just for reference, RJ played number two in Austin Powers. Oh, is that him? So I'm just saying, do with that with what you will. He was (laughs) evil number two, right hand man. Mike Myers casted him like that on purpose. He knew that everybody knew RJ thought RJ was a villain, so he casted him as one. I kind of believe, though, that Christopher Walken doesn't know anything. I believe that Christopher Walken may not know a lot, but he knows some stuff. And he has always taken that 
I'm not getting involved, hands off, not my business approach since Dennis tried to get him to intervene in the fight. That's what I meant. And that's what I was referring to back earlier in the episode is that Christopher Walken was on that not big slash small ass boat with those other two people. Wait, three people. He might not know all the details, but God damn it. I think you've heard something that would lend to one side or the other, but you haven't said anything. And I think that's on purpose. He's he's been interviewed, like re-interviewed, and I guess let some new details come out, but they really weren't released. But I just think that he he might have a little more information that he uh, never told or that he led people to believe. I think he went to sleep and he was drunk and he might not know a lot. Well, we'll choose to believe that, too, because, I mean, in my version, either way, Christopher Walken didn't kill Natalie Wood. So, yeah, um, he can be forgiven, nor do I think he aided in her death or trying to cover it up that I do. But he did imply that she was there the first night on the boat. Like I said, that is what always gets me. Weird lies for no reason. But that's why I feel like he was all hands off. Um, he's just saying whatever gets him out faster. Uh huh. That's why I just think that. But like I said, I don't think he had anything to do with her death. So I can rest easy on that part when it comes to Christopher Walken. Alrighty. We do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media we want to recommend, share, or just talk about. Do you want to go first? Actually, you are going first. I went first last time. First of all, why you act like we can't go first a couple times in order like i don't know i don't really have a media okay well think of it okay you gonna cut this out yeah okay you're lying i'm like i'm gonna re-listen and hear this shit okay i'll do this because i was i was uh like i don't know if i mentioned this before but i was trying to get some of my spotify music on my apple music you have mentioned that oh that's funny okay so i (laughs) i have a lot of fucking spotify playlists so i was on and I named them a lot of generic slash stupid ass names. <laughs> so I was on my alternative music playlist and I was adding my Kings of Leon. And I came around my fir- my favorite Kings of Leon song that is I've which is actually the most recent Kings of Leon song I've heard. And you you're connected to the story. Oh, um, am I? Yes. Uh I don't know what year it had to be 2019 before the pandemic when we went to uh we went out of town for your birthday. Uh-huh. Okay, so it was 2019. So 2019. Oh, I I just I don't know what year it was. I was just saying uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you just I uh-huh. remember you talking about me girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, one of these years, most recent few years, we went out of town. Me, Jose and another friend of ours went out of town for his birthday. A former and- friend. <laughs> don't do that sorry i i just i've let a lot of people down recently i need to put, put it up that there that is so rude <laughs> if you notice i cut her name out completely from the last episode former friends <clears throat> you know what's so funny i was uh-huh. gonna say didn't you say their name in the last episode? Because I haven't fi- I haven't listened to it yet. So if you cut it out, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay, so me, Jose, and another person <laughs> went out of town for his birthday. And so I was in the back, of course. And um, they were, the former friend was driving there basically the whole way back. And this Kings of Leon song came on called Birthday. First of all, I was in an altered state, so it was already music to my ears. Secondly, we were hanging out on Jose's birthday weekend, listening to Kings of Leon, which is one of the bands, Jose, I would like to think that you do like and enjoy. And um, I was just like, it's meant to be. This is meant to be my favorite song. And so, therefore, I made Jose and uh, our former friend play it all weekend, every chance we got. You know what's funny? What? I don't remember that song at all. Oh, well, I, I listened to it when y'all weren't playing it on my own, so it's drilled into my head. But I don't think that's the Kings of Leon song you even, <laughs> you paid attention to like this. 
you got your few songs and that's it. You get fuck that birthday song. But I just thought it was funny because it was your birthday. The song was called Birthday. It was by Kings of Leon, which you have some of your most iconic moments. And I do love Kings of Leon, just for the simple fact, like some of those songs are like my best drunk singing. Yeah, that's why I I, I, I remember you always taking a Kings of Leon song and making it 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 your bitch. Mia Mito. That is my that's my favorite one. That's your favorite one. And you let everybody know that. Yeah. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh, remember when I used to sing? <laughs> I do. God, what a time it was to be young and beautiful. So to be young and beautiful and to hurt your knee. <sighs> my knee still hurts me. <laughs> the price of youth, the price of the price of beauty, the price of everything. My media is also Kings of Leon. How dare you? <laughs> we can't have the same media. I don't care. What uh what what song from Kings of Leon? Um, I think of like Charmer. Ah. Uh, of, of course you have Sets on Fire, which I love the Beyonce cover. If you haven't mm. listened to it, listen to it. And Mia Mido, my drunk song. Mm-hmm. I saw them, I actually saw Kings of Leon live before. Was that that field concert? Yeah, I didn't like that one. I wouldn't either, but I do remember you going there. I barely do. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I heard you was toe up. <laughs> <laughs> but that is our episode. Please rate us five stars if you want to, if it pleases you, if the if you're moved to. If the spirit moves you, listen. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive. So I'm asking for the five stars. I hope we receive them. Hey. Amen. <laughs> and I hope you guys like this episode. I hope you guys send us your theories. Tell us why we're wrong. Give us that piece of information. Tell us you agree with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and reach out to us on our socials. You know them. You love them. That's all. <laughs> hope you guys have day you guys deserve emphasis on deserve and you deserve a lot bye